All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Today is a uh, a very bleary and hungover morning for your boy. I said that I was going to come prepared. I said that I was going to be ready to talk to the great John Christian Templeton, but I really, really, really stuck it to myself and stayed out until 3 o'clock in the morning. It sounds like producer Brandon did as well, but we're here today. We have one of my great friends in the city of Austin, Texas here with us today. Love this fucking guy. Um, I've called you on multiple occasions and told you that you were the most interesting person in Texas. And uh, the reason is because you used to be a professional golfer and now you're a professional poker player and um, you seem to just be able to pick anything up and do it at the highest level, which is pretty sweet. So um, welcome aboard to uh, JC Templeton. What's up, buddy? What's up? Yeah. Good hey, job last night. Way to really be disciplined. It's awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, I kind of got dragged into one. I got dragged out to this concert last night, and then, um, you know, women, basically. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes. You have a poker game last night? Uh, I did. What is, what's today? Today's uh, Friday. So, yeah, I had a Thursday game. Good. How'd it go? Uh, I crushed. Yeah, I ran hot. Like, um, so this is what I wanted to ask you, right? Uh, you've been playing poker professionally for how many years now? Uh, coming up on eight years. And you were a professional golfer before this. I was a junior golfer, and then I, I, a college golfer for a few months, and then I tried some mini tour stuff mm-hmm. uh, for a bit, and uh, and eventually just gave it up. Yeah. Do you think you like you had the stuff to make the PGA tour if you really like cracked at it for a while? I 100% had the skill and the ability. Uh, I just had to stick with it, and yeah. Yeah, it would have taken some time, but I think I would have gotten there. It's like just an insane amount of like discipline and focus to do that. Yeah, and determination and resilience, and uh, I just put a lot of pressure on myself and ended up giving it up. And I fell in love with poker. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, like, playing poker for a living and playing, trying to play golf at like the highest level. Do you think there's a lot of like crossover, a lot of similarities between doing the two things? Uh, I think there's crossover and every industry like uh sports and and jobs that are outside the norm Mm -hmm. uh it's gonna take it's just gonna take resilience and an ability to keep going uh through failure for years and years and years and years yeah because i think the failure thing's interesting because i was thinking about just like my own early days in stand-up and like the first few years of stand-up and even into now like at year seven there are just days when you don't have it and you go up at a mic and it's humiliating. You just fucking bomb and it kind of feels like the end of the world, you know, but you can just go back and reset. And so like, those are my losses. You know, those are the days when I show up and I'm like, fuck, I sucked ass today. Mm. I was not funny and it's humiliating. Right. And like, it affects you on a spiritual level. But at the end of the day, I'm the same guy financially. I'm in the same position as when I walked in, unless I ran up, you know, a couple hundred dollar bar tab. Yeah, I'm more or less okay. I think this is the fucking craziest thing about poker to me is you're in the open mic, like when you're in the open mic poker scene, right? When sure. you're basically just like starting out. Micro stakes. Yeah. Micro stakes. This, the, like, the equivalent of a bomb for me is you losing a lot of money. So like when you take those L's early on, how do you keep yourself in the game? How do you keep yourself afloat? And like know that you're going somewhere with the a whole raging thing. gambling addiction. 
straight up? No. Uh, that's a part. <laughs> that is definitely a part of, there's a gambling aspect to poker mm-hmm. uh, that is addicting and that you have to learn how to curve. Uh, and so, I mean, that keeps people coming back a lot. For uh, sure. But I was obsessed with the game in general. Like I would play, I, I would play for free if uh, if there wasn't uh, action to be found. For sure. Um, and then there's yeah, there's just years where I I would play all day every day. And there's there is like a gambling a, like addictive side to that mm-hmm. um, that you have to learn. You have to learn to tame and curve, and uh, that took a long time. Well, like. So there's got to be some nights early on where you just oh I quit I yeah yeah I quit a million times but like when you lose that much money right and you just wake up and you're like fuck it sort of like I'm going into stand up and I have nights where I'm legitimately going into audiences bombing my tits off mm-hmm. and still going like all right I've got a shot at doing this like for a living that's sort of insanity in its own right. Like what gave that's you the in, dream? Yeah. That's the dream. But like, yeah. what gave you the indication that you're like, I could actually potentially play poker for a living? So I I think you can relate it to stand up. Like uh, like you learn you learn how to do an open mic for a few minutes, mm-hmm. and then you learn, and then you get five minutes under your belt, then you get ten minutes under your belt, then you get fifteen, and eventually you headline like a show. That's yeah. in poker. Uh, for me personally. Uh, it didn't come very natural to me. I had to bang my head against the wall and and just grind it out. But my bankroll, uh, as the years progressed, would last longer and longer and longer. Got it. And so I would go broke. I started going broke less often. And so that's kind of like the progression. And then uh, at like 24, 25, I consistently started earning. And then uh, – but then your ego inflates – and yeah. and then you get reckless and uh from 25 to like 28 I went broke several more times uh and learned a lot more lessons so when you're like going broke do you mean you're legitimately clearing out your checking account or are you, yeah, you clearing have zero dollars left and then so how do you come back for that do you have to go like get a job to finance the poker so when i when, when i was in my early 20s that's what i did i i worked uh as a waiter i waited tables uh when i would go broke and uh and then once i started having more consistent success at like 24 25 and i built a network of friends that were also professional poker players mm-hmm. that believed in me then when i went broke uh, I had investors ready to put me back in the game because they knew long term I was gonna, I was gonna succeed. So it is kind of like stand up in that, like in the early days, you're kind of just out there on by your yourself, own. just dancing in the dark. Yeah. And then, like the moments that you're like, okay, I could do this, is when you get a legit cosign from like a a huge comic that's like, hey, you're actually pretty funny. Like, yeah. keep going. So that's sort of like what happens. Somebody that's a legit poker player is like, dude, you're talented at this. Keep going. Yeah, I, I became best friends with a with a, a very successful poker player. And he coached me up and uh, gave me a lot of pointers and helped me along the way. The one that I know in Austin? Uh, yeah. Okay, Matt, word. Maddie, yeah. Word. I, I thought you were trying to, like, protect his identity there for a second. Oh, uh, no. No? No, he's... He's not anonymous. Yeah, he's a he's a wild character in that like we've 
you know, we hung out with him several times before I found out like just how successful he was at poker. Yeah. Cause he definitely gives off these vibes. Like he's a smart dude, but he's never really like, you would never know his skill set. You would never know. He's what he's like, what won a world series of poker bracelet and all that. Yeah. He has two seconds, I think two runner ups and then he has uh, one first place in uh, an event back in 2016, I think. For, yeah, he won like 600,000. So like you look at the people that are like just playing poker with their buddies, right? People that are going to the bar and uh, or just like playing pickup poker at their pickup poker. I'm talking about it like it's fucking basketball. But like you look at people that are playing poker with their buddies sure. on like a card night or somebody that goes to the casino. Yeah, like boys night, play poker, poker night. Yeah, those type of guys. Like um, in the early stages, like what are some of the concepts in poker that complete amateurs don't understand or can't conceptualize that like get you out of that level of just playing poker at a basic level uh let me rephrase that so sure, basically yeah. like what are some of the concepts that just like amateur poker players just either don't understand or aren't aware of well, probably uh bet sizing mm. like understanding how much to bet uh amateur poker players they they limp in way too much. They just call the blind, okay, the blind instead of raising. So like an ag- aggression is usually a, an an issue, mm-hmm. and then and then they really don't grasp uh, position. Position is one of the most important things in poker. Got it. So being last to act on every street is a huge advantage. So understanding like to play more hands in position and less hands out of position. Interesting. So like if uh basically if you're the last person to bet. In that situation, you know that you've got like a massive advantage because you can sort of see the way other people. Yeah, are your advantage before you go. Your advantage is to is to watch the person act before you. So, like, would you you would bet totally differently if you were betting first versus betting last? Well, there's strategies to play out of position that you learn as you get older or mm-hmm. as you uh, mature and progress. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, no one has any idea what they're doing. At those at those levels, yeah, they have no concept. Yeah, nothing. It's yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, they wouldn't stand a chance at like a a public game. So are the, like in in early stages of poker, are you going to those like type of games to just fucking people up? Is that sort of how you like pay rent on poker early on? Uh, I mean, no, I was I was waiting tables, so I was I was one of the fish. <laughs> I was constantly going broke. <laughs> I would go up to the local dog track and and. Uh, and play with like you know five hundred dollars to my name and and try to make it last. Yeah, just get fucking cleaned out. Yeah, all the time. So like fish, basically, is that is that like a uh, you're basic? Those are the people that you're just trying to like take from. Um, it's it's just the people that lose. So it's an ecosystem. Uh, poker's an ecosystem, and there there's fish, and then there's there's sharks, and then there's whales. Mm-hmm. Uh, whales are players that are. Uh, inexperienced but have tons of money so they're they're great for the game and yeah. then sh- and then sharks are more experienced professional players that typically win they're like a deep more like a deep sea whale carcass than like a whale itself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like feeding all the fish and stuff yeah yeah and then and then yeah i mean the majority of the ecosystem is fish okay so most people have no idea what the fuck they're doing most most people are fish that have the delusion that they're sharks. Mm. 
So it's like a confidence thing. That's the big, that's the easiest people to take advantage of. Are the people it's a self-awareness like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if you go in someone that's like, okay, I, I got some money out. I'm playing poker in Vegas tonight and they suck, but they know that they suck. That person is way harder to take from than somebody that's like, I'm a fucking brilliant poker player and I'm going to light it up well, tonight. The, the amazing thing about poker is that anyone can win on yeah. any given day. So it's the only sport, uh, which it is a sport, uh, the the Supreme Court declared it, declared it a game of skill. Wait, really? Yeah, it's, it's a sport. Wait, so when did, wait explain, that this was, was the Supreme this was, Court? Yeah, this was like a, a ruling back in the day um, to allow online poker, which then got overturned, now it's getting re-overturned. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a game of skill. Poker is a game of skill. Okay. It's not like blackjack. It's not craps. It's not roulette. You're not playing versus the house. You're playing versus other human beings for money. Mm-hmm. The casino or the house takes uh, a percentage, which guarantees them profit, but it's very small. It adds up over time to being to being a lot. But uh, pretty much whoever has the most skill at the poker table in the long run is going to make the most money. Got it. Uh, but yeah, back to the the beautiful thing about poker is. Anyone can win on any given day, uh, which is unlike any other sport. Uh, someone who doesn't really know what they're doing can sit down and beat the best poker player in the world uh, in an hour. Totally. Because it's, it's, it's not like pickup basketball where no, somebody can show up and just beat LeBron James in one-on-one. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a luck factor. Okay. But that luck factor disappears over time. So what that does to people's psychology is it convinces them that they're good mm. when they don't know what's going on because they they win because you get that feeling of winning and that feeling of superiority or dominance and then they then they're convinced that they have skill in this game yeah and when they lose they convince themselves that it's bad luck well that's totally like a uh, that's actually a complete parallel to golf which is like any amateur can go out one day and hit a hole in one and beat Tiger Woods. No, on it. that doesn't. That doesn't no, no, make sense. Think about it. Think about it. Right. That's one hole. He would never have a chance. No, hundred percent. In a round, you have no shot. But like we're betting hole by hole instead of like on the whole thing. No, I'm never gonna beat Tiger Woods if no. I go out. You and could play. beat him on one shot. I could beat him on one shot, and I guess it could like create a delusion. Where in golf, you go out, you pipe out like a you know a 300 yard drive. Or you chip it and it goes in, or you get a birdie on a par three and you're like, I'm the fucking man, dude. Yeah. I'm great at this, but in reality, I have no chance. Yeah. I see what you mean. In poker, oh. in poker, like a guy can just be winning all night, like for a whole day okay. and not know what he's doing. I've, I've seen it many times. And then that's, they convince themselves that they're good at poker. Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no awareness there. No, no, there's just the ego attaches to the result. And I'm a win- like I'm winning. I'm obviously good at this. Everyone else sucks. Yeah. And then and then when they come back and lose for six months straight, they're unlucky. They think about that one win. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, that's like the ego fish, where that one guy looks back at that that's, one day. That's and he's the majority like, of poker players. Yeah, they look back at that night and they're like, "I'm fucking beast at poker. This is why I won." So the good the good players are people that do it for a living. They practice attaching. Uh, they practice attaching their value to how good they played and not the result. Got it. And so 
that's something I've had to learn is I'm I'm like happy and and proud of myself when I played a good session and made good decisions regardless of the result and I get really upset when I know that I'm playing poorly even if I won yeah because I've seen you do this before where like on a night where the night before you fucking cleaned up and you won more money than anybody but you're sitting there talking to me the next day and you're like there was this one fucking hand yeah and you'll sit back and you'll think about the particular hand where you fucked up yeah it's I, Doyle Brunson says it uh, perfectly it's poker's not about winning or losing it's about making the right decision hmm. so, and if you continue to make the right decision then over time you're going to win but if you're just concerned about winning or losing and not concerned about if you made the right choice uh, then you're you're dust you're yeah, no chance. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. Because if someone's playing well, then it's sort of like the time factor, like what we were talking about with the one guy that can basically beat LeBron on his day. Like you might come in and just get cleaned out by some amateur one night, but you got to look at it and just be like, I played the best poker that I could have played. Yeah, and you have to be aware of what good poker is, and mm-hmm. most people aren't because they they win a pot and they think they did it right, and that's they could have. They could have either they should have won way more, or mm. in the and then the pots that they lose, they should have lost way 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 less. Uh, you need to understand like what what good poker is, so that you can have like a uh, a reference point. Dude, so we were talking the other day about like uh, you brought up this concept of a leak to me. Yeah, which is uh, I- explain that. So. Leaks are, you have to think of it like, uh, kind of like your, your career is this ship, right? That's sailing a leak, which I had tons of them. I still have a few, uh, Mm -hmm. but I've, I've plugged most of my leaks the last few years. Uh, I'll give you an example. The first, the first six, seven years I played poker, my leaks were, uh, drinking while playing, mm. that's a hole in your ship that's going to that's gonna attract water and you're going to sink. Yeah. The, uh, enough holes, you're, you're, going to, you're going to go bust. You're going to sink. Uh, partaking in drugs while playing, uh, not getting good sleep before playing, uh, not taking care of your body would be a leak. Uh, emotional stability, like mm. going into a game – uh, not focused or or your head's just f- filled with you know concerns about your life or what, whatever's going on like you're not present yeah those are those are leaks and then uh, some of the biggest leaks that even professional poker players have that uh, end up causing them to fail are, are uh, gambling leaks so sports betting Ooh. that's a huge leak no and, shit oh yeah so what? It's like basically somebody's spending money outside of poker, and it's causing when you, yeah gambling. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're just gambling, uh, I mm. I had a friend uh, who was a brilliant tournament poker player, and he had a year where he earned he made over a million dollars in tournament earnings, and he was dead broke. Get the fuck out of here! Because of his leaks. His leaks were. Cocaine, alcohol, blackjack, 
So taking taking his bankroll, going straight to the blackjack mm-hmm. table, dusting it all off, partying, t- spinning it in which are things that you know I've I've done in my past. Um, but yeah, the those are just massive leaks that no matter how much success you have on the poker table, if you if you can't stay away from gambling in the casino or betting sports or partying your life away, you're going to go broke. So it's sort of like stand up in that, like there are leaks of the people that are showing up too fucked up to gigs. There are leaks of people that are like just distracted from their personal lives when they get there. So they're not having fun. And yeah. Sam Kennison. Yeah. A hundred percent. He's the best of the best. And, and drugs and alcohol took him out. Sam Kennison, Chris Farley, million motherfuckers like that. I mean, dude, yeah, you can't outrun it it's kind of scary like thinking about stand up from that perspective and that there's like definitely people that we know that are going off the fucking rails and you got like, this guy's hilarious, but he has absolutely no grip on his personal life. Yeah. It really, I mean the success, it just doesn't matter if you don't have your health and you can, you know, you don't have longevity. It's not, it's going to, you're going to, you know, ruin everything. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, yeah, so there's onstage leaks, which is like I'm blacked out, showing up, just not able to do my job, unprepared, not on any sleep. And then there's offstage shit. Mm-hmm. So just like I'm just spending a bunch of money. It's not going well. It yeah. makes sense. That's how, like, so I I attribute the last few years and my success to everything I've done off the table. Yeah, dude. I mean, I... um. I, th- I think when we were talking, you were saying that like you implementing the meditation and starting to do this actually was the sort of breaking point where your career started taking off, right? Yeah, my result, my results uh, uh, skyrocketed. So was it just yeah. like the the you were talking about how like emotional stability can be a leak for someone, right? Yeah. Is it basically just is it more complicated than this, or is it just like all right, I'm having a bad game, right? I'm in there, I'm losing money. Is it just like the ability to not freak out and kind of stay in the pocket or is it something deeper than that? Just it's so like the TM will increase your self-awareness so that when you start to uh, get flustered or start to, we call it tilt in mm-hmm. poker. Uh, when you start tilting hard, uh, before I before I learned that technique, I Wait, would- So what's tilt? Tilt is like when you're- just playing bad and you play worse because of how bad you're already playing. You can go on tilt. people can go on tilt from taking a bad beat. So like you just get, you're playing well and then you get really unlucky in a big pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can spiral people out of control to where the, their emotions become erratic and then they start chasing, trying to get, get those wins back or, mm-hmm. or that, uh, those losses back. And they start playing hands that they shouldn't be playing. They 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 basically open up and and start spewing chips. So it's like so having it's, a three foot putt rim out, and then rather than just being like, "All right, I that that shot didn't exist. We're walking to the next hole. I'm playing like it didn't happen." Instead, just being like, "Fuck." <laughs> just, yeah, just like you get you start uh, causing yourself to double bogey the next hole because you got pissed about the three yeah, foot if rim you, out. Yeah, if you slice your drive from the next hole because you're still thinking about the three foot putt, that, that would be tilting. Mm. Dude, so like, I think when it comes to just basically anything in life, right? Early on, 
at the beginning you make these improvements, which is like, all right, you're six months in, you figure out how to do something that you couldn't do, do. Like the improvements are massive and they're really easy to notice, right? Like you're three months into stand up, the difference between three months in and a year in is crazy. Okay. But like the difference the differences that you're making at like year seven or year twenty are a lot smaller and they're harder to notice, but they make a massive difference. Like what are some of the things that you picked up over the last couple of years? that have made a huge impact that like most people would just miss in your game. The last few years, the ability to focus on the action at the table has, has been a big key. Uh, and call it being like dialed in or um, in the zone or mm -hmm. whatever, getting in that zone more often. Because uh, a lot of people, when they sit down at the poker table, they don't pay attention to the hands that they're not involved in. Yeah. So they're, they're not focused on the on the game when if they're not involved in the pot. So being present and then watching the action, even in the hands that you're not in, is really vital to s success in poker because it's just it's it's free information, and that information on the way people are playing hands will help you when you do decide to play a hand. Got it. So you're looking. The average person would just be like, all right, I'm not in on this. I'm going to go get a fucking beer. The, yeah, I'm the, just going to zone out or look the first at my phone. Few, yeah, the first few years I played poker, uh, I started playing 17 years ago. Um, in the first few years, if I wasn't in a hand, I wasn't, I wasn't watching what everyone was doing. I was fucking off in my mind. But you're, now you're looking at it and you're like, all right, that guy is somebody that goes in way harder than they should be going in on certain hands. And you're just picking up little things about some of the players. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, you learn that from playing with better players, mm. right? Um, every time I would sit down throughout my career at a table with a, a guy that I knew was better than me or a professional, a well-known professional, I would just watch them the entire time and see how they acted and, and try to gain any sort of knowledge from anything that they did. Yeah, when you look at, like, some of the pros and some of the people that, like, you look up to in poker, is there can you see what the things are that like separate them from you or like if you're looking at somebody that's like a true expert right mm -hmm. like a killer somebody that's the top ranked poker player in the world is it obvious like what sets them apart or is it more like is it harder to pick up on uh i mean the amount of time they spend studying with solvers uh is is obvious what's uh what's that uh solvers are are uh simulations that compute like basically texas hold'em is a solved game uh kind of like chess interesting so it's like going on stockfish for chess and just trying to map out yeah and you can per and, yeah and you is. can and you can uh program situations scenarios mm -hmm. with cash games or tournaments and you can program the hand that like let's say you you played a hand in a tournament and you were questioning if you made the right decision. Yeah. Well, with a solver, you can put that hand into the into the solver and it'll tell you exactly what to do. So this is what I don't understand about like poker being a solved game, right? Is like in chess, the computer is run through every single possible move and it knows like, all right, you go IE4, the perfect match is yeah. just to meet it with the pawn right in the middle, right? Because it's gone through every possible mapping of like where the pieces could be sure and figure it out but with poker there's shit like bluffing someone really hard right so 
how does how does it even take that? So what you're talking account? about, this is what I love about poker. This is why I play it. Is it is a solved game technically, but there's unlike chess, there's human emotion, and it's every single hand is player dependent. So the correct move in let's say you have one hand and you play it versus two different people. Yeah. The correct move isn't going to be the correct move in both occasions because it matter it the hand matters who you're playing against, what emotional state that they're in, mm. how many hands they've been playing, uh, how tight they've been, you know, or vice versa, how tight they've been playing. Yeah. Uh, so every, yeah, so every single hand you play is player dependent and it's based on your opponent's emotions and, and the type of player they are. So there is this, this side of poker that's solved, but then there's, there's so much room for creativity and there's so much room for feel and uh, and that's where experience and thousands of hours of sitting at a poker table watching people play, that's where that comes into play. Like I've, I've worked very little with solvers. Mm. I've put in 10, like probably more than 15,000 hours at, an, at a live poker table. Just sitting down. Just sitting playing. down playing. And that's, that's how I'm able to navigate. I, I would probably be much much tougher to play against if I worked with solvers, which I plan on doing in the future. Mm. I just, I love live poker. So you're just a master of like the human emotion. I love live poker. I never played online. The majority of- I watched you play poker online the other day when we were watching football. That was an app game. Okay. That was like a friendly <laughs> app game. Yeah, that's- uh, I was I'm, like, I literally watched you do that I'm talking, the other day while we were trying I don't, to watch the fucking Chiefs game. <laughs> I don't consider that, I don't consider that online poker. Uh, online pokers versus you know strangers. Mm -hmm. Typically, that was a private app game with people that I know. Um, but like back in the full tilt days, full tilt poker, poker stars, uh, I played a little bit, but not much. But that's where that's where most of the best poker players in the world came from is online, okay. because the, they their fundamentals are when you play online, your fundamentals have to be perfect because you're not playing. You can't see the people you're playing versus. So you're playing kind of like a solved game. So this is what I don't understand about the solver, right? Is let's say hypothetically, like you have a you have a chip stack and the AI that is running the solver is basically like, all right, if you get ace eight and you're however many deep in this betting order, right? It says bet exactly this amount at this time. Couldn't you pick up on it and then based on you knowing the solver and knowing exactly what the solver would tell you to do in situations couldn't you figure out theoretically like what cards the person has uh is that is that an insane question or is am i just thinking too well much? no i so i mean poker is a game of incomplete information mm -hmm. so it's we call it a range so you put people on a range of hands and in certain situations, you can narrow that down to like one or two holdings, mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's an array of array of holdings that they could possibly have, and then you you make a decision. You make a decision with incomplete information Got to the best of your ability. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just if you were playing against, like, if there was an actual AI seat and the computer was in a game with a bunch of human beings. We've, th yeah, they've done this. Could you read and try like theoretically like figure out what the what I keep saying theoretically like I'm fucking smart or something. That's when I say theoretically multiple times in a sentence. That's when I have 
no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm like, dude, maybe. <laughs> but if you're looking at it and you're like, okay, this this fucking system, based on what it's doing, because it doesn't bluff or do any of that shit, maybe it does bluff. I'm th- now I'm th- now I'm starting. This to think is about it. this I'm is like, a okay. problem in online poker because people use bots to play. Mm. They use computer sims to play. Yeah, it would be like going on chess.com and using Stockfish to pre-move everything. But in this yeah, case, they, it's, there's, it's a huge scandal. Like the, there was, I think there was like $10 million taken from a site bec- from bots. No shit. Yeah, bots are not beatable. That's why, that's why people study solvers because if you, can, if you can emulate and you can play exactly like the computer, like you're, you, you, uh, the term is, um, you can't be exploited. You're unexploitable. Because no matter what the opponent does, you're going to have the perfect uh, the perfect reaction. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. That's just... why I like playing live poker with faces that I know. Yeah, because you were telling me about this, where um, that day when you were playing that game, you were talking about how there was someone that was going to join in that game that had been accused of using a bot to try to rob games. Right? You remember that? You were saying like you no, were on the th- phone with one that, of your buddies. That, no, there was there was a player that that I knew uh ghosted uh a poker game. What so does that mean? Go- ghosting is uh playing as someone else. Interesting. So they were playing and representing themselves as someone else and not who they were. And so that's misleading. That's cheating in in my industry. That's not allowed. And I don't play with people that that are capable of doing that. It's like a one strike policy. You're like, if you're, yeah, if no, you'll yeah, do this you're shit, out. You're, you're blacklisted. Gone. I'm done. Good. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if they can do it once, they'll they're done something. The willingness like the person you'd want. In your game. Yeah, the willingness to play as someone else is the willingness to cheat. Yeah, because I I play a lot of chess online, and there's a lot of like games where people get accused of cheating and I wonder and I'm like why would you even want to do that you know because there's no incentive to it you're just going to run up an ELO which is just your chess score on this website and then get kicked off there's no point to it but in poker you could fucking it's financially steal tens of thousands of dollars from yeah people. yeah like there's gambling there's financial incentive dude so when you take like a uh, I wanted to ask you about this because uh we're talking about like just like bad nights in poker when you take, are there any losses that stick out over the course of your career where you like still remember specific hands that you like fucked up or took a bad beat on? Um, yeah, I mean, there was a turning point. There was one session that really kind of was uh, the the last straw for me mm-hmm. in in my career of. So I won, we'll backtrack. So at 25, I won my first major event for, it was a WPT in Tampa. I was living in Florida. Uh, I won like 135,000 and I went on a run in cash games on the side where I made another 200, 300 grand, something like that. I think I had a total of like $400,000. And I thought I was, I thought I was, um, you know, the best. It's a lot of success for the 25. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I got really confident and, 
I had no I had no understanding of of managing that money or or the stakes that I should keep I should continue to play and within eight months I dusted it all off uh dusted it all off means you lost it I yeah I went broke in eight months no shit yeah I played way over my head I played way too big I took vacations with my my girlfriend at the time I bought her a car like I thought, I thought the money was was never gonna stop. You're like the uh, you're like the guy from the hood that just got his first NBA contract. <laughs> like, yeah, no, oh yeah, dude. just just <laughs> dusted it, and you know then you got, I, you got a big gold chain, dude. So then I felt like an idiot, and then I and then I uh, I got a stake, and I ran back, uh, I ran up a bankroll again, but um, I still had those leaks of I was partying when I was playing, and there's like a there's a aspect to private games, uh, especially if you're known as a pro. And now I was known as a pro after winning the tournament and after having that success. Like I was known as a professional poker player. So how does that affect you when you show up the games? That if that that uh, it's tougher to get in games. And then when you do get in games, they want you to party your ass off. So the games were like we were talking about at the beginning, like those fish. Right. There's there's got to be games where it's just fish all over the place, like teeny little sure. fish. And they're looking at you and they're like shark. No fucking chance. Yeah. So they might be a fish at the poker table. But in, you know, in life, they're they're educated people. So they try to even the playing field by forcing sharks to drink. Mm. Like if you're going to if you're going to play with us, you're going to get fucked up. And then you don't play as well when you're fucked up. That's, so that's the deal. Yeah, that's the, kind of the deal. And there's Is ways. Is actually like a rule where they're like, all right, JC, some you games, can come in, but you have to have eight Manhattans before you sit down at the table. The, I've played in games where it's like you're taking a shot right now, mm. and then you're taking a shot in 30 minutes, and then you're going to take another shot in 30 minutes, <laughs> and, then, and then you're going to have another one in 30 minutes. Like, it just doesn't stop. You have to get fucked up. And the people that are like uh, the people that are inviting you to this game and the other fish at the table are they getting fucked up too or are they just uh, looking at you and going? Yeah, I mean they're alcoholics, so they're participating. <laughs> yeah. Too, so so what right I mean, what you, you what ends up happening is you try to learn how to play hammered, and that's. Would you say you're good at playing hammered? It's a fine line. It's like a walking a tightrope, and you can fall. Yeah, because you're if if you get in the zone where you're like, all right, I'm pretty good at playing poker, fucked up, dude, and then you hit that fifth whiskey shot, and you're like, okay, I still got it, baby. It's like the awareness thing. Yeah, then you take a bad beat, and then like you get a little flustered, and then you're hammered, and you just start. A lot of bad things can happen. So would you say like the TM right now is the thing that's preventing you from when you're going up 350k? I, I God knows whatever amount it is that you go up to not lose your fucking mind and go, I'm the man and have that shit happen again. I mean, just chilling out as a human being. I'm 30, 32, almost 33 now. A lot. You're 33, all, but you can do handstands. So you got yeah, that down. Yeah. The handstand king. I, I, I taught myself how to do a handstand. Very proud moment. No, <laughs> it, only it only took four years. It doesn't sound impressive when we talk about handstands, but when you see it, it's like it's a pillar of stability. It's, dude. Yeah. Well, I, well, that's what I, I mean. When I saw people doing it, I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do that one day. It's, uh, anyway, back to my story where like the, the turning point 
was... Oh, yeah, yeah. So, we're, we're, so where, that's where 25. Are we, where are we now in the story? So, now so you're... I was 25, won all that money. My bad. I dusted, ran us right the fuck off. Dusted it all off. <laughs> dust, dusted it all off in eight months. Mm-hmm. Got a stake, which meant friends put, put money in my hand to play again. Ran that up. Uh, and then I was at this private game in Tampa. I think I was 27. Yeah, 27, and I it was a party game, and I got I got the seat, and it, it was massive, and I ended up uh, I was hammered, and I was I was doing you know uh, narcotics, and <laughs> the fun kind or the up or down the uppers okay the uppers, <laughs> and I dusted off. A hundred thousand dollars in like six hours. Holy fuck! And it's like seven a.m. and I'm I'm all coked up and drunk off my ass. And I, you know, I'm broke. And I walk outside and I'm like staring at the 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 morning sun as my Uber is pulling up. And I'm like, we're done. This is. That's the that's the last time that happens. This is a problem. Yeah, that's the last time I do this. And uh, and yeah, it slow, slowly started to turn. Everything changed after that. Coke is tough because when bad things happen when you're on cocaine, you're also just completely numb. The ability to process. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, like, your your face is numb. <laughs> you're like, oh, I just lost a hundred thousand dollars, but I feel fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> dude. But as soon as it wears that off, that breeze feels nice, dude. A hundred thousand dollars and then a 7 a.m cocaine hangover yeah. when it all hits it's got to be a tidal wave dude yeah that was that was the last straw and uh hide the rope because i knew i had i knew i had this <laughs> i knew i had like the skill set and the the ability to to you know this this is my career and i was fucking it all off yeah and i started taking it uh i started taking it serious after that and i i uh I made some changes. I implemented a lot of changes. So what were the biggest ones? It's just like, I'm not showing up fucked up to games anymore. So yeah, slowing down uh, all the partying while playing, uh, no matter what, like not, not letting, not letting the party atmosphere overtake the poker. Uh, And then the commitment to getting in shape, the commitment to putting myself uh, in the gym every morning and having like a, a routine that I do before I go play. That's that I, that I treat it like it's a profession, like I'm almost like a professional athlete that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking it serious as my career. And there's, there's still been times throughout the years where I've, I've gotten drunk at games, but, uh, it's far and few between. And, and there's a lot more consistency in my life now. Yeah, it seems like it. So you're on like a big upkick right now, right? Or are you still are you still riding the wave? Of the, um, uh... So the first year I moved to Austin, I had a very successful year. Uh-huh. Uh, year two was. So wait, what was your uh, what year did you move here? 2020. Okay, word. So you moved like right in the thick of the pandemic. November 2020. Damn, dude. And what was that? Were you just like tired of Florida, or this is a bigger poker scene? No, I mean I have a huge passion for comedy hmm. 
I love comedy. Hell yeah, dude. And I wanted to be around comedy. And I knew that Austin was going to be the spot. Look at you. You're in the fucking creek in the cave right yeah, now, dude. Yeah, I'm in a comedy club. So that's pretty cool. But so year one. Year one. you crushed. 2021, yeah, not yeah. so good. I, uh, 21, I, I still had a profitable year. Mm. And then uh, 22, I had a break-even or slight slightly losing year mm-hmm. um and then 2023 is probably my most successful year playing poker of my life and that was at the, it was towards the end of last year though when you really started having the big upkick right? yeah and then yeah like uh january of 24 has been a, a was a big month so this was already like you've been doing the tm for a while middle of 23 things start really kicking up you start playing very well was there like a was it a luck thing or did you change something where you just started playing better? The TM was at the end of nineteen and the beginning of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and then I had a a very very good year. Uh, there's there's variance in poker, so you can be Gandhi level of you know of enlightenment, and you're still gonna lose. You're gonna you're gonna have periods where you just lose. Yeah. Uh, there's there's not a lot you can do about it there's going to be ups and downs and that's just the variant side of poker the luck factor um that that no one can beat um and so you have to it's the michael jordan thing where even if you're the michael jordan of poker sure. at some point you're just gonna get beat up by fucking Joseph. so yeah 20 2022 was was a uh, a low but then you can't you know like the cop out for unsuccessful players is to is to just always blame it on that you have to you have to like um i got a a piece of advice from a Mizraki brother uh they're they're this family in poker that uh, all three all three uh brothers are professional players yeah. and yeah and one of the brothers was giving an interview at the world series and he says uh i don't believe in luck um I only th- I I think everything's in my control and I can always play better. And when I heard that I was like that's that's the way to think about poker. Don't but there ever, is luck. But you don't you can't think about that. Mm. You should only think about the pieces you can control. Yeah. The hands that you play and how you could play them better. You can you should never hand off the the responsibility or the um the control of the game to someone else. You're like there. There are inputs yeah. to my success in if, poker that I'm yeah, out of control. The, if of. you hand if you hand the responsibility over to luck or, or variance, then you're not thinking about every single hand that you played and how how you could have played it better. And that's all you need to think about in poker. You should only think about what you can improve, not what you can't control. Yeah, it's sort of like showing up at a club and blaming the shitty audience. It's like it to an extent. I'm sure that's part of the problem. Like yeah. you showed up and everyone was fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I I help. know I know there's there's obviously luck. There's a luck factor in poker and there's variance, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do do you any good to think about that part. Mm-hmm. You should only you should you should only blame yourself for you know the, you should take responsibility always. Yeah, even if you're going in and you're taking like a couple bad beats because yeah. somebody got a fucking ace on the river, it's still. Yeah, I mean, when I when I take those hand, like when I t- have those big losing nights and I go home, I don't think about the hand I got unlucky, and I, I think about the other pot where did I make the right decision on the river, or could I, could I have 
made more money in this other hand? Mm -hmm. Like wh what was in my control that I could have done better? So is there like a lot of studying that goes into it off the table for you? Like, are you going back and like thinking about some of the hands that you played where you fucked up and like uh, going back and actually like trying to fix them, thinking about how you could have played better? Is that just like a conscious thing or are you actually writing things down? Or like, or like going into it. So throughout engine, the, yeah, throughout the years, um, I, I would write, I would write hand histories down and then I would, mm -hmm. uh, and then I would go to my close friends that were, that I value their opinion and I, I think are at a higher level than me. And then I would, I would get their input. So that would be my form of studying. So I guess we've got about five minutes left. So I wanted to ask you. That went really fast. Yeah, that was clean hour. By the way, I know your your mom and everything is in town. So I appreciate you taking like a full hour to come down and fucking yeah. hang out with us. Yeah, I got a game this afternoon in a couple hours. So you can fuck people up out there. We're just going to try to play good. All right. So I guess this is the last question I got for you. And then we'll get the fuck out of here. Um, you're sitting in a room. You're talking to somebody that's been playing poker for like a year or two. And they're talented, but they're not making any money playing poker, mm. losing a lot. If there's like one concept that you could distill to that person, what would it be? Um, I would, I would probably try to gauge how much they love the game. Mm. And if they're trying to do it for a living, they're, they're going to really need to love playing poker or else, uh, the game, the game will just beat you down and, and, and you'll quit. Uh, so I would just instill that like first decide if you love the game and then know it's going to, it's going to be a really, really rough road ahead. Like, and to, and to, and to try to, you know, like you can't, the the being reactive to the losses is is something that you have to learn to to just tone way down. Yeah. And when you lose, it's it just just turn the reactivity to zero. Just, Dude, okay. I think that's actually one of the biggest advantages that you had going into playing poker is because that's such a huge thing in golf. Just knowing like myself as a golfer, my biggest weakness is that when I fuck one up and I put one in the water or I rim out a three foot putt, it affects me for the next six holes. And yeah. having that sort of like, uh, you know, they say like you sort of have to have short term memory loss in, in golf. I think like having that attitude towards poker or just having that concept in your head of like, hey, I took an L tonight. Yeah, like, and it's, I'm gonna it's show super up tough it. for me because I'm a very emotional person and, and I've cranked it way down, but it still fires up all the time. And I have to and I have to reel it back in. Um, Dustin Johnson is a great example. Mm. He's. He's blown. Now he's a, lot a major. Of cocaine. Yeah. He <laughs> also. Uh, yeah. And Paulina Gretzky, which is pretty sweet. Um, but before he won major championships, he blew a lot of major championships, mm. and and his reactions were always just even keel, just zero reaction. He was always very composed, and that's. But th and now he's a major champion. Like that's a, that's someone to you know, model yourself after, after the, the blow and the cocaine issues in college. <laughs>
I mean, dude, that's fucking, I couldn't imagine trying to play golf at the highest level with like that level of hangover, dude. It's got to be crazy. But all right, man. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us. Sure. Dude. Yeah, um, that was fun. We'll we'll do it again at some point for sure. But uh, you're the first guest on the new podcast. And we're trying to do like, I don't know, bring some people in that are living interesting lives outside of stand-up. So I appreciate you, brother. And yeah, man. keep hammering. I hope you win a fucking million dollars playing poker this year, dude. Appreciate it. All Thanks, right. brother. Yeehaw. Cheers, right. man.